One of the Google questions on here, though, whenever like looking up this movie, is should I get stoned before watching it? Fucking what's his what's his name? The guy who's making the Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, Seth st- Rogen? Yeah. He was like, yeah, I think you should get stoned before watching Oppenheimer. I think that's a really good idea. He said specifically you should eat edibles before watching Oppenheimer. Is that different than getting stoned? It's a different kind of high. Body high. Do you agree supposedly. with Supposedly. I wouldn't want to be inebriated in any way whatsoever <laughs> watching Oppenheimer. You wouldn't even want an, uh, a glass of wine before I watching Oppenheimer. I wouldn't want alcohol either. That movie is too much. Cocaine? No, sir. Well, maybe during Barbie. <laughs> I mean, maybe Barbie, during Barbie. Barbie, you, cocaine's probably amazing. <laughs> and welcome to The Last One's In. I'm the host today, Robbie. Joined with me today is Drya. Hey, uh, that's a me. Drya, the now Italian plumber version for this I, episode. I don't know why, but every time somebody else introduces me, I say, that's a me, and I don't know why. I actually don't do it consciously. <laughs> Just a thing. It's, I've just noticed it right now. <laughs> you, now that we're pointing You're it out. You're making us self-conscious. Yeah, we're making you self-conscious about the way you introduce and yourself. And you know Jirai, he's so self-conscious about his image. Very so. I worry every day about it. <laughs> and the person who doesn't worry about his image quite as much, E. Hello. Yeah, that's why I'm the one who's not on camera. Yeah, so he doesn't have to worry about his image. That's true. Well, he does have to worry about his PNG, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once it starts artifacting, I like have to gloss it up. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta put some blush and some shadow on it. This won't make any sense if no one sees the Twitch stream, but hello. <laughs> it's fine. Hello. <laughs> also, we have a Twitch stream. Yeah. But yeah, today, uh, finally, uh, we had like a weird little curse when it came to this movie of like every single time Man. that we tried to watch this movie, something would come up. The world didn't want this one to happen. No. Yeah. Even this week, it was a little bit harsh just because like, like they stopped doing overtime at work and then called me in specifically this weekend to do overtime. They wanted me to come. Like, I should be at work right now, but I told them I couldn't make it. Cause yeah, fuck the corporations. Fuck corporations. Pink <laughs> Floyd himself was cursing us, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. John Pink Floyd himself. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Roger Waters, Mr. Pink Floyd himself. <laughs> Mr. Rogers, the Pink Floyd Rogers. <laughs> but yeah, today we watched 1982's The Wall, or Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah. Uh, Which we've been trying to get to this one for a while, but like... I think literally since we watched Interstellar 5555, we kept saying we need to watch The Wall. Yeah. Because you guys wanted me to see like the better version of Interstellar, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we've been talking about it for a while. Uh, Stuff, like real world stuff just kept on coming up, like in one way, shape or other. But we finally, finally got a chance to watch it today. I know it's been a while since I watched it and because like work stuff got in the way, I wasn't able to like do my little pre-watch that I like to do whenever I do hosting, but we watched it today and uh I we guess did. I should ask cuz I'm pretty sure E, this is the first time you've seen this movie, right? That's correct. However, uh once again we get the E knows things cuz of weird reasons. I've seen a review of a review of this movie. <laughs> Somebody was critiquing a review of this movie? Somebody was critiquing Nostalgia Critic's review of this ah. movie. Oh, right, because he did like, a I full mean, musical thing yeah. with it, right? Yeah, because Nostalgia Critic for a while just like shat on beloved properties just for the sake of shatting on them. You know, I'm starting to think <laughs> that Doug and Rob Walker might be bad people. <laughs> Are you saying yeah. somebody with an online celebrity might be a little bit shady? You know, it I, it was like I started when it was coming out that he st- wasn't paying his workers and outright like forcing them into terrible contracts. 
But as soon as he shat on the wall, I knew. <laughs> that's whenever I knew. That's whenever I knew. Also, there was some stuff about rape, but we glossed over that. <laughs> Speaking of uh, better things, I guess. Uh, R.I.P. Take with yeah. you. Uh, Drya has seen this movie before, but I'm guessing it's been a while since you've watched it. It's been, if I'm doing the math correctly, probably about 16, 17 years. That sounds about correct. Over a decade. Because I'm gonna actually, I think fifteen. Fifteen years is what it's been since I've seen this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. It's not exactly something you like just put on for Christmas unless you. <laughs> no, the last time I saw this movie, I was laying down in a cluttered living room on top of a few sleeping bags while everybody around me was stoned as hell. <laughs> That's the last time I had seen this movie. Sounds like the environment for back in the day to watch this movie. It it's, it was great. That I think that's how everybody should watch this movie. I can't believe it. Marijuana was illegal at the time. What the heck? I know. Yeah, she I reported them to the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that I think that's the normal first time. Not actually, that wasn't my first time. It was my last time. That's the like normal viewing experience for this. That's movie. wild to me because, despite that being like how people say to watch it and all that. I feel like that's not a good way to watch this movie. I think it's more about getting lost within it because this movie ver- is very emotional because of all the music and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So being high would just intensify all of that. It probably intensify the visuals while kind of pushing down the emotional parts of it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I because- feel like like this I mean, it's slight spoilers for how I feel about the movie, but I feel like this movie does take a bit of actually paying attention, which I feel like being high makes harder. Depends what you're trying to get out of it, <laughs> I guess. So another thing about this, I remember growing up, like hearing almost like legends of this movie, and almost every single person, adult-wise, that I knew that had seen this movie before I had a chance to watch it, I asked them what the movie was about, and not a single one of them could tell me what the hell this movie was about. You know, to be fair, if someone asked me that, I don't know what answer I could give other than it's Pink Floyd's The Wall. <laughs> and yeah, it's the, like, oh, it's like, you know, musical albums. Like, cool. Like, does it tell a story? Yeah. What's the story about? Uh, yeah. Mr. <laughs> the Floyd. I know, like, besides that, I think the school scene uh, traumatized a few of the people that told me about this movie before I had a chance to watch it, too. What? The yeah. school scene, I would say, is the one thing that you still see clips of every now and again yeah you'll see clips of that uh, and i think especially if people were watching the stoned or under the influence in some way shape or form i'm sure those masks probably freaked a lot of people out maybe mm-hmm. i i do see some stuff from the scene after comfortably numb as well i see that yeah, yeah. you know you could probably guess why flowers yeah <laughs> <laughs> people like gardening <laughs> There's not a whole lot of symbolism in this movie. It's just flowers. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's just a slight different. I'll try not to talk about <laughs> nostalgia critics, the wall too much, but like one of the main things that got people so pissed is he did seem to think there's like no symbolism in this movie at all. Oh, this movie's chocked full of symbolism. Like it's only symbolism. Yeah. <laughs> Some of his takes away were like, uh, he hated school. Uh, that you can insert any person into like the big like totalitarian to- total- totalitarian 
totalitarian totalitarian scenes like it's like oh this is just to use to put in people you hate and it's like what? no there, there's definitely something that he was trying to say while making this movie yeah both alan parker the guy who directed it and roger waters the guy who did the music and wrote it and everything else yeah basically it seems that doug did not think when he wrote i mean maybe he just wanted to make people mad with his review because then people look at it but yeah honestly that from everything that I understand before I stopped watching uh, Nostalgia Critic and all that kind of stuff, uh, he very much just went right into the anger and just tried to make yeah. people as angry as possible. I mean, I, I towards the middle, I started just watching when it was just Doug Walker stuff. Right. But even that started getting like, hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a real skewing of where the character ends and he begins. It's real It's real yeah. muddled. I don't, a lot of people have a similar issue with the... Uh, Everything wrong with people. Oh, the mm. cinema sins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like Which, they similar thing where like sometimes it's hard to tell what they're just having a dumb joke or if they actually think that's an issue with the movie. Yeah, yeah. Which we've actually brought that up before of like how it seems like a lot of people on the internet they just shit on what are on a lot of beloved properties for the sake of they get more views whenever they do that yeah like the fact that C- cinema sins actually has a channel called cinema wins and i think it has like maybe a quarter I don't of think su- that's subscribers them. and views no it's them is it i'm pretty sure it is i don't know I'll, <laughs> I'll check that you guys keep going but yeah i think that was their way of saying like hey here's some things we actually really like about a lot of these movies but it's not nearly as popular as like you know saying like this is wrong with this movie and this is wrong with this movie and this is wrong here and this is wrong there but it's easier to have comedy when you can just say, this is dumb. Yeah. But it's a lot harder to like have something interesting that's not a video essay when you're like, this is good. Yeah. Ding. Cinema <laughs> Sins and Cinema Wins are not related. Oh, really? Dun, dun, dun. Was I led astray by the internet? That doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> People can't just go on the internet and lie, can they? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you for thinking the one letter off channel is this would be the same people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think because I think I remember around when it came up, it was because like they were getting very tired of Cinema Sins, like just basically bad criticism of everything. So they went and did the inverse. Yeah, and you know the age old thing: it's much easier to hate than it is to love. Yeah. It's a lot easier to hate. Yeah, that's why Jiraiya does it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think before we really start to like get into the nitty gritty that I think people who probably watched this movie 40 years ago like probably still don't get the nitty gritty of this movie. (laughs) I bet I still don't. (laughs) There's there's a lot of... There is a lot to this movie. Yeah, I I guess before I go in and like try to give you guys a better explanation of this movie, I should ask like, E, what were your initial thoughts of this movie? So I said this during when we watched it. This actually is very different than what I was thinking. I am interested to what you mean by that. So from what I gathered from a lot of people like talking about this movie and like what little I've seen of it, I expected the like schools thing and the totalitarian totalitarian. Like I thought that was like the main thing like that was expanded throughout the whole thing and obviously it's not disconnected or anything like that is a theme throughout but like the kind of rock star stuff i was not expecting which maybe i should have because of pink floyd yeah 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 very much ingrained in the whole thing yeah people kind of don't talk about that stuff as much for probably for good reason like 
that's again what you more would expect. Yeah. Of a It's a, not a as movie. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's mostly what I mean when I say there was a it wasn't quite what I expected. I think I think actually in a lot of ways it's better than I expected. Okay. okay. I was I was worried it was gonna be like completely difficult to try to like follow what was happening. I think there are times when it's kinda hard to tell. Obviously on purpose, I would say. Um and I think in but like I think overall you can kind of get the gist of what the movie's trying to say, which is very important. And uh if you've seen a couple of random things, uh like some of the is this a movie, I actually really l- dig surrealism. So those parts were cool to me. Yeah. yeah. This movie is very surrealistic. Yeah. So I I quite enjoyed that a lot. Um and you know, I'll get I'll get the big thing out of the way. <laughs> this is probably better than Interstellar 5555. Oh. That one's much easier to put on obviously, but That yeah. one is easier to put on, easier to enjoy. This is this is saying something though. Yeah, this movie is meant to be dissected, and I don't think yeah. a whole lot of people who did watch this movie even tried to. I think that's kind of like the thing. I mean, it's something you notice with a lot of artists and musicians of like you could tell there's a large portion of people who listen to music who don't actually want to interact. Mm-hmm. Like they just uh I mean, you see this with all media obviously. I think music's uh I think music especially has this issue because it's really easy to forget someone writes music and that they have a meaning behind the song. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also easier for a lot of people just to just assume that larger music groups just have people writing songs for them, Yeah, which sometimes is the case, but it's not always the case. These people, you know, got to this position, you know, in some way, shape or form a lot of times it's because they're good at what they do. They're good at writing music. They're good at writing yeah. melodies. They're good at piecing all these together to make uh, an artistic statement. I mean, even if the person who is singing or the band isn't even inherently the one that writes it, that the, the writer still usually has reason to write. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and I, I think that's something that gets lost, especially with big things. I think like that's something you see a lot now with like people getting mad that Rage Against the Machine is political. Yeah. Now, yes. quote unquote, <laughs> yeah. when it's like, did you uh, did were you, you paying attention any... at all in the nineties? Did you even read the name of the band? Yeah, <laughs> they're like, I didn't think I was the machine. <laughs> and you know, like the other, one, I think it's a uh, proud to be an American is the one that's like more satirizing, kind of yeah. how we treated the vets and everything. Mm-hmm. Others um, that are, uh, I think the song "Born on the Fourth of July" is also satirizing that too. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't get that either. They think that's a very patriotic song when it's a very anti-war song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, people don't pay attention to the lyrics, or if they do, they don't actually like stop and think most of the time. Mm-hmm. You can just anything on the radio right now. I'm gonna say ninety percent of the people who are listening to are like, I like the way that this music sounds, and they don't actually pay attention to what they're listening to. Yeah, I think. I mean. <laughs> This might be a bit of a jump, a leap, but like I think that actually is also a big reason why it like people like to shit on rap. Yeah, cuz like rap is a very it's a very simple beat, a very like simple melody, but because of that it's almost entirely held up by its the quality of its lyrics. Yeah. And that's why that when rappers have bars and they like actually have something to say, that's why people like Eminem. That's why people like Kendrick. That's why people like Lupe. Uh, that's why they're put on such a high pedestal because they're able to rhythmically and poetically 
rap. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people... Put together these extremely beautiful and nuanced situations and ideas in a way that doesn't sound nuanced. And it's... Rap's amazing. Great rap is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things when people... When it's done right, it's amazing. Yes. But I think sometimes people forget that too, you know, because like R and B is rhythm and blues, rap is an acronym for rhythm and poetry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I think where was I going with that? Actually, I don't remember. People don't pay uh, attention. Yeah, that's. I guess that's ultimately where that lies on. And like, I'll say I I've definitely heard at least most of this album beforehand. Though, haven't had the time to, like, dissect all the lyrics and everything. Um, yeah. No no specific reason. Just sometimes, you know, you hear a song, you like a song, but you uh, just kind of don't hear it for a long time. Yeah. And that just happens, you know. It happens. Uh, so, with that, uh, it was cool, like, rehearing a lot of these songs, especially in this context. Like, uh, the, I guess, I don't know if it's technically the title track or not, but um, Brick in the Wall with it being kind of separated in these three different sections was actually really cool. Yeah. And I don't think I've actually heard it like that before. Yeah. So it's, uh, helps emphasize all of the different portions of it a lot better, I think. Yeah. And I don't know, just like, it's really cool. And there's such striking imagery in this. Like, yes. even if, uh, even if you're kind of confused on where it's going, like there's such these, Big, huge, like, set pieces that are so interesting to look at and tell everything while telling, while showing nothing in some cases. It's just, it's just really cool. Yeah. And, you know, you get to see the life of, uh, the life of the person. I don't, I guess he's not pink in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The life of pink. And it's like so interesting, especially, you know, context, obviously. Like, thinking, okay, like, this movie came out in 1982, so the person who wrote the songs probably has lived through at least, like, 60s, 70s, and then, uh, or earlier than yeah, that. Yeah, for like, the 40s up until the 80s, yeah. maybe. So, like, thinking about how the world has shifted, um, obviously, we're all American, uh, spoilers, so we don't exactly <laughs> have, like, the historical context of what happened in like they're in Great Britain and all that during the time. Right. Um I'm gonna say my history class was very bad about uh foreign history. <laughs> they, it was pretty bad about American history too. They are usually really, really bad unless it's very positive towards America. Yeah. Like very <laughs> one thing I remember them talking about Europe other than um this the big war independence, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Uh <laughs> Specifically was, like, talk about how we aided them during the war and, like, gave them stuff. <laughs> like, that, that's, like, how it was framed. I don't know. Uh, you know, as I got older, I'm like, I really started to question the history classes I took. I mean, yes, there we did aid many people. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the actual wars and, like, how many we've won and how many we've actually had a positive effect on, it's pretty small. Yeah. We're pretty far from batting a thousand over here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, like, something that's hard to think. We are such small potatoes in context of history. Yes. Yeah. Like, America's just a very drop-in-the-bucket 
uh, there's still time for us to be just like a funny thing that happened, you know? There genuinely <laughs> really is. Uh, but yeah, uh, all that to say, like, yeah, very striking imagery. Very, I mean, it's Pink Floyd. Their music's really good, obviously. Great. So like, it, just from like that standpoint, it is really cool to look at. And trying to dissect everything is so fun in this movie, I would say. Yeah. I guess dry then. What are your thoughts watching this movie again for the first time in X amount of years? Um, There are a lot of things that I can appreciate a lot more now that I'm actually older and trying to understand. And not right. surrounded by stoners. And not surrounded by a <laughs> bunch of people who are high. A great experience in its own right, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm Very. sure when all the cool songs came on and they're all trying to sing, well, probably all off-key and off-tempo, it was great. It's a great time. <laughs> Recommend it to everybody. But um, I think the things that I didn't appreciate when I was younger was how the visuals told this story while matching the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, where I, When I was younger, I was like, well, it's just like a cool music video with some songs that I really like. And it's it's actually like showing the meaning behind the lyrics and the music right? rather than just being some visuals to accompany this music. And that's something I didn't really appreciate when I was younger. So that's nice to see there, and it adds a lot of depth to a lot of the lyrics to songs that I already love and have my own memories attached to. Yeah. But, yeah, it is it is very, very good and quite the downer. Yeah. <laughs> I I can agree with you on a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, I like it still. Robbie thinks it's quite the upper, actually. <laughs> this is the happiest movie I've seen in years. No. Did you see the part with the flowers? <laughs> so many flowers. <laughs> but yeah, also, it's one of those things, uh, I remember going on the search like not too long ago, and I was talking to my mom about it, and she has her own copy of this, because uh, that's how I originally watched this movie, is you know, I heard all these legends about this Pink Floyd's The Wall, and how it's like this huge psychedelic movie, and nobody really understands what it's about, and <laughs> so on and so forth and then i like i said i think i was 14 when i first watched it and being a 14 year old uh after the when the credits started rolling i kind of went the fuck did i just watch and yeah i was like this is not a movie to watch if you're a teenager like i mean if you want to just hear pink floyd sure but like, yeah i don't think like that you really have the developed like uh, media dissection that you yeah. need. There's a lot of context to this that probably just does not make sense to a teenager. Absolutely. Yeah. But and I guess, it's one of those things, as we get farther and farther away, it probably is harder and harder to really like understand a lot of the historical context, too. Yeah. I mean, again, like when I was uh, 14, watching this for the first time, I will ha- I will be closer to the historical context than somebody who's 14 right now watching it. Yeah. Yeah. So that that right there just adds a whole different layer to how you're going to view this thing because the history that has happened since then and the lens that that is viewed through, Mm -hmm. it's just going to be different for for different ages and audiences. Yeah. And I will say, much like the music of Pink Floyd, because like my parents were both rockers growing up. So like ever since I was a little baby, I've been listening to Pink Floyd music. And like I remember as a small child, I wasn't too crazy about Pink Floyd, but the older I've gotten, the more and more I've I've appreciated it. I feel like Pink Floyd is very much like a fine wine music. Like, the older I get, the better that music just hits. And, like, this movie hits a lot better, too. And 
in my old age. <laughs> yeah, all us seasoned old veterans here. Yeah. You're seven. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like this movie hits a lot harder as an adult, especially with like the context behind it and like actually getting a chance to understand what's going on with the visuals and the music and how they both like coincide with each other. And it it's honestly like it's a great experience. Like I wouldn't say this is like a perfect movie by any way, shape, or form, but like if you really like surrealist art like we do, this movie's great. Uh, if you like Pink Floyd as musicians, this movie's great. Um, if you honestly kind of like melancholic movies, this is a great movie. Uh, yeah. All in all, like I, I think it. This is one of those things. Like, I feel when it comes to, like the cult classicness of this, like we're part of that cult, the cult for the cult classic of watching this movie. Yeah, honestly, and, when because we started joking about or E started joking about buying it on Laserdisc. Yeah. Which led us down a road of looking like what this movie costs and different things. And it's like still strangely affordable. Yeah. yeah. Like the most it costs on anything is I think I saw a $25 Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah. And which for is, a Blu-ray, that's fucking good. That's pretty good. Like I, there's movies that I would, if I went out right now and they're new, 35 or $40 just because of like, they're not popular. It's like the fact right. that like the wall is still like twenty five bucks for a brand new copy is just insane. And yeah. like I said, I think the the copy I'm holding in my hand whenever I started talking about this movie again, uh, after we watched Interstellar five 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 five, <laughs> um, like I was talking to my mom about the wall and like yeah, I think she found this copy on Amazon for like maybe fifteen bucks, yeah. and it was a brand new copy, like still the plastic and everything. Yeah. And yeah, like it's weird because and the thing is, is we would do the like where you could watch this. This movie's really hard to find online. Like, there's not really a streaming service you can find to get this movie. If you try to Google it, it's just going to send you to an Amazon page to buy a physical copy. That or, like, it's possible to find kind of bootleg-ish copies on YouTube or... Right. Um, I do wonder if it's a rights issue involving I music bet. and art, like well, you were like, saying. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, MGM's a bastard, just going to say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I- I'm sure the rights for this movie between the filmmakers and the music makers and everything else is probably like a logistical nightmare trying to get it all to work together 40 years later because like companies don't want to work with two people and i'm gonna say this is like you got the writer you got the musicians you got the owner of the movie you got the owner of the music like there's so many not inherently that it like can't be done but just getting all of that would take effort, and companies don't want to put effort. Yeah, they'd have to pay somebody for a lot of effort for a good period of time just to do this one movie. Yeah, and just to get it on some kind of streaming service. Logistically and numerically, it wouldn't make sense for no. a large company to do. Yeah, which is also the same reason why you're seeing like a lot of beloved video games that will not come back out that people love because of the nightmare of like dealing with the fact they had licensed music on them, which is yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. the whole big deal that happened with GTA, the definitive edition or why they don't remake any of the need for speed games or uh, the Def Jam games, why those are dying out and stuff like that. But yeah, I-, I feel like the further we go forward in time, the more this movie is getting lost in time because like it's not being preserved as well as it should be. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of just an unfortunate fact. Because, like, uh, lost media in general... Not that I think this movie will ever really become lost media, obviously, because there are very much copies. But, like, it's never, like, lost deliberately. It's lost just because it doesn't get preserved. Which I I wonder if the original 
stills of the movie, the art, the negatives of the actual the film. cells and stuff. So I, like, yeah. I wonder how well any of that was preserved. I bet not. I'm, I would be surprised if any. I bet uh, the writer and um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Roger Waters. Roger Waters. Aaron Rodgers. That's <laughs> sports person. Yeah. Uh, Roger Waters. Um, I bet they both have like their favorite stills or whatever still. Yeah. But like, yeah, I bet a lot of it was, it's either just thrown in some vault somewhere, if not thrown out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things that we found out too, is like a lot of older films that were just like kind of put into a vault to die. Like half the time, whenever somebody wants to try to remaster it, it's like covered in mold or whatever else. Yeah. And like moisture got into the film yeah, reel or whatever. They don't, here's the thing that like people, well, not people, but like companies don't want to admit, they don't give a shit about their old stuff. No, no they don't. Like, the only time that they give a shit about it is whenever somebody else wants to get a hold of it, and they're like, "No, this is mine." Yeah, because like, like a two year old with a toy chest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's such a shame because like that's the real reason things go lost is because again they're not preserved, and companies don't see money in preserving things. Yeah, they don't. Like you, I I was talking to Dry about this, and it's like a slightly different thing because there's more rights in other areas, but like. I was talking to Dry how it's actually kind of hard to watch old anime. Yeah. Because they just aren't, like, upkept. They're not put anywhere. I remember, I've I watched someone who talks, like, about a lot of more obscure anime. And they were saying, like, they have a VHS copy. And it's, like, one of their favorite anime they've ever seen. Because it's such this beautiful, like, piece. But they can only have it in 480p. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, it was four by three back then, so it's yeah, probably yeah, still yeah. four by. But like, they they won't ever. It won't be re released. Yeah, I and mean, like, like even like big giant studio movies, like for instance, Gremlins, mm-hmm. that was preserved fairly well, and even in the four K, there are some shots where it's like the film just didn't hold up. We tried, the film didn't hold up. We went back to the negatives. We did everything we could, but there's some shots that just look like shit because they could only do so much. Yeah, and that's something that's. Big studio, well reserved, well kept area. Think of like yeah. smaller studios or like like you said, anime yeah. or like I mean, yeah. Monty Python's a good ish like a good thing too. You have that like super Monty Python in the Holy Grail copy. Yeah. And I think it's Blu-ray, I forget if it's four K or Blu-ray, but Blu-ray. Oh yeah. But like there's some like one, there's like a disclaimer like, hey, we tried the hardest. Some of these just aren't good. Yeah. <laughs> like some yeah. of these are only as good as we could get. And like you'll be watching it in like blu-ray and then every now and then you get a scene that's just like 240p like why am i looking at this through a potato <laughs> did i did the did the, the cd buffer yeah, what's yeah. going on here and like monty python and holy grails regard as like one of the best like things. monty python movies ever Even yeah just like movies people regard it as one of the highest form like, yeah it's a comedy, so like sometimes it feels kind of silly saying it's like a high art, but like it's beloved. Comedy, yeah, it's beloved for sure. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with this one. Like, I hate to say it, like if it's if we're not already in those times, like I feel like within the next like ten twenty years we might get to that point where this movie isn't so much lost, but it's becoming more and more obscure as time comes along. Yeah, and it's the same thing said with some animes, like a lot of. Uh, not VOAs. Uh, OVAs. OVAs, thank you. A lot of OVAs that... Uh, yeah. Because a lot of those, like, they felt like cash grabs, especially going into America, and so a lot of those are very poorly preserved, and so 
The only thing is, like, if somebody bought a VHS copy of it 20 years ago, that might be the only way you get to watch it. Yeah, Dry actually has some experience with that, even if he doesn't remember. When we watched Future Diary, we watched all the Blu-ray, and it had that thing at the end that I told you, like, people got pissed at. Mm-hmm. And then we watched the OVA, but we just had to go on YouTube to watch it. because yeah, they didn't even have it on there. Yeah. It's crazy. Because it, it, it ultimately is just made for money. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, to an extent, all media, all, like, things ultimately end up getting made for money, Um, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, we have to live. <laughs> yep, people have to survive. But, yeah. Oh, it's such a shame. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, there's our downer of a starter. <laughs> That's our downer of a story about our feelings of preservation yeah. of hey, older media. If if you take anything from this, preserve what you love. Yeah, because you'd never know when it will be hard to find. Treat everything you love like a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> even like it, it's so funny to say. Even like if you just have a video you like a lot, download it. I, I can't tell you how many times I go on YouTube and there's just videos that I used to watch that are gone forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like people say the internet, like nothing's truly lost in the internet, but things are. There are entire websites that are dedicated to lost media. Yeah. And there's like things that were from the 80s and 90s that like people are still searching for today. Like, uh, I guess a little non sequitur of this is that I remember seeing a, a two hour long YouTube videos of just like lost media that was found this year. Yeah. And a lot of them were just like, hey, somebody just had like a whole bunch of uh, commercial clips from the 90s on a YouTube channel. And they found this lost media that people have been searching for for the past 10 years. Yeah. And that's just because someone kept it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody just like found some old VHS copy of like, hey, my dad recorded the, uh, the Super Bowl back in 1983. And we found this old commercial that everyone thought was lost to time. Yeah. For instance, like one of my favorite indie movies. It's like super low budget, shot on a camcorder. It's not even that long. It's like 45 minutes, 50 minutes long, something like that. It's just, it gets harder and harder to find every day. A night in Paris. And it's just, it's harder and harder every day. That joke's very funny. Uh, don't worry. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Don't Google but it. But yeah. Don't Google it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess if anything, we could probably get into some more spoilery sections of... Yeah. The legendary film Pink Floyd's The Wall. One thing about it too, because we were saying like a lot of people didn't really pay attention to like the story that was being told in this, even though like technically the back of the box gives a really good summary, even if it is kind of spoilery for this movie. So I think to start off with it, to give a base idea of like what this movie is about, I'll read the back of the box, quote unquote. The story of The Wall is told simply with music from Pink Floyd, with images and natural effects. There is no conventional dialogue to progress this narrative. Our story is about Pink, a rock and roll performer who sits in a locked hotel room somewhere in Los Angeles. Too many shows, too much dope, too much applause. A burned out case, and on the TV, an all too familiar war film flickers on the screen. We shuffle time and place, reality and nightmare, as we venture into Pink's painful memories. Each one, a brick in the wall he has gradually built around his feelings. Slowly he withdraws from the real world and slips further into his nightmare as he imagines himself as an unfeeling demagogue for whom all is left is a demonstration of power over his unthinking audience, the culmination of an oddest effect of his own world and the world around him. His internal self-trial follows as witnesses of his past life and the very people who have contributed to building of the wall come forward to testify against him. Yeah, that's definitely something you should read after you watch it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think that yeah, that's pretty succinct. It's pretty succinct of like what this entire movie is based around. 
I'll say it's kind of funny because nowadays we do have a rock and roller named Pink. Yes. Yeah. Which <laughs> yes, is kind of true. funny and a bit <laughs> unfortunate, but, you know, they did it first. They should sue Pink, you know? <laughs> I, I don't sure. know if they care enough about that. No. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I'll say with this movie, it starts, like, you – it starts and you know what you're getting into. Like, it starts in a war zone bunkers as these troops are being bombed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of starts off, like, you kind of see Pink sitting in his hotel room watching TV, and the images on the TV screen turn into this war scene that's happening, and eventually see one of the bunkers get bombed, then you see a dead body sitting in that bunker. As a matter of fact, you see piles of dead bodies after this bomb is dropped, and you end up finding out that uh, one of the soldiers that died, the one who's holding the phone, was Pink's father at the beginning of this film, and kind of showing how he was... He lost his father at a very young age. Yeah. And then goes into him on the playground by himself, just trying to find someone who cares about him. And it shows, you know, every now and then when the adults will like pay attention to him for a little while, but eventually they just tell him like, you know, go run along little boy. Like I got to deal with my own children. I don't need you to deal with. And doesn't exactly have like a father figure to kind of look up to is what's showing. Nor uh, a mother figure, I would say. No, no. You know, uh, very, very nostalgic for you, Dry. I get this movie, man. I'm, I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it a goes very between absent mother. Yeah. I won't say absent. I think she's very controlling, is the way that I yeah, would put his mother. I guess mother. that's fair. Like, and it's one of those, like, she, it shows that she'll put, like, she'll care towards him, but only when it's, like, towards her own means. Yeah. And so there's multiple the walls in this movie and his mother is one of them. Yeah. His mother is one of the bricks in the wall, if you will. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what this movie is showing with like his story growing up is like all the events in his life that led to him building this wall around himself to kind of like isolate himself from the outside world because he can't handle what people are anymore. Yeah. Cause after the whole playground scene, it shows him in his school, which is, you know, the scene that most people talk about, which kind of showing how the teachers didn't really care about him and how they were kind of, you know, taking the whatever that was happening in their home life and they were bringing it to school and taking it out on the children. And he was one of the kids that was bullied and, like, not only by other kids but by the teachers too. Yeah, and, and like, this is one of those scenes that has such striking imagery. Oh, yeah. For a good reason because, like, there are points where it's, like, this is the first instance of, like, the masks that kind of pops up a lot in this film. Where, like, these kids kind of go through this conveyor belt into, like, wearing these masks, removing any of any identity from any of them, until eventually they're pushed into the meat grinder. Yeah. And, like, it's such a, like, it's such a sh- strong metaphor. Yeah, it's, I think that's one of the best ones in the film because it's just so strong, especially with the song playing at the time, Another Brick in the Wall, or mm-hmm. two. Um like I feel like it's one that everybody gets, no matter like what your political or religious affiliation. I think that's ev- what everybody can just easily understand. It's like they can easily understand about how some schools just take away your identity to kind of mold you into what they want you to be. Not even school society as and a yeah, whole, yeah. it's everybody is more meat for the grinder. Mm-hmm. Another brick, yeah. <laughs> Another meat for the wall. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, I definitely see why this is one that stuck with people, too. Yeah, I I don't even think it was, like, the it 
because like the way that people described it to me wasn't so much um wasn't so much you know being kind of thrown like uh, having your identity stripped and then thrown into the corporate grinder like a lot of people didn't explain it to me like that they just said like oh yeah like a bunch of kids on a conveyor belt just being thrown into a meat grinder like it's some kind of weird horror movie but like it didn't feel like that as much as it felt like you know a sense of control. I think we're finding the people who didn't get to really this. pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, just hearing people say like, "Oh, you know, get high and watch this movie." I, can't, I feel like that'd be such a terrible way to watch this movie for the first time. Because I think, I mean, I've full disclosure, I've never been high in my life, so like, I can't say much. I, in fact, I am very positive that me and getting high are not like. Conductive. Not very compatible. Yeah. <laughs> I, despite what people tell me, I see a lot of things that high anxiety and marijuana don't mix very well. No, that's a lot of times that's paranoia is what that ends up culminating into. Yeah. And I get enough of that in my life. So, <laughs> to be fair, like, like I'm not anti marijuana, but like I'm kind of in the same group as you with that because like a lot of people are like, oh no, I think you like it, man. I the few times I tried it, I, it wasn't for me. I will say e. With your absolute hate towards saliva, <laughs> I think getting high would do wonders for you. <laughs> do you salivate a lot when you're high? Opposite. Cotton no. mouth. Everything's uh, Hell dry. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for context for those listening, um, during the scene in the middle uh, where the where Pink is kind of comatose just watching TV and a And a woman's groupie. trying to grab his attention. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah groupie's trying to grab his attention by sucking on his fingertips. Yeah, and I was saying, I, that's one of the things I never got, like how that's supposed to be sexual. I'm told when I'm older, I'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think a lot of it did, co- boils down to, I was, something I said, which is, I just kind of think saliva is extremely gross. <laughs> like, I don't want it on me. I don't like anything on me at all, anyways. But such such a strange human. Being. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything that could uh, could really explain this, but there just isn't. You know, not a single. As thing. far as medical science is known. On a side note, I do have a question for you guys. What's up? Do you think like super high class British people have a hard time talking about like autism because of like they're like what are they're talking about like artists or are you talking about like. <laughs> Someone who is autistic. <laughs> to be fair, so you're making fun of my nephew's uh, autist. <laughs> oh, he paints. No, no, no. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, just making fun of the British accent. <laughs> hey, we're legally allowed to. Fair. <laughs> um, I will say the last time this came up around your wife, when you said it, she did think you said artist. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah. Uh, so there's some context for that. But yeah. Uh, so the school showing like this literal meat grinder of stripping away everything from these kids until the eventual uprising that they bring where they refuse it. Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just a very strong commentary on the generation, mm-hmm. honestly, because this is coming straight out of the seventies, Yeah, which was the quote unquote peace and love era of the world. Mm-hmm. But it really... I mean, it was also the protests of the Vietnam War, too, so... That was the biggest thing. Like, uh, all throughout this movie, there's anti-war... Yeah. uh, Sentiments. Yeah, throughout the whole thing. From the very beginning. Yeah. From Pink blaming the war for basically taking his family away from him, ruining his life. So, from the very beginning, very anti-war. And then as it goes on, saying, maybe I'm part of that machine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
but there's that it, it goes from that to pink uh, r kind of sitting at a bed you know by himself whenever his wife walks in mm-hmm. and her trying to get some attention from him and him just not really caring and kind of pushing her I mean, away that tv always has tom and jerry on so i don't blame him <laughs> not this time around this time around it had uh, had football on it oh yeah sorry <laughs> yeah footies Footy. as the aussies say <laughs> good old yeah. footy but kind of showing him like just not paying or giving the attention to his wife that he really needs to and like how he's just kind of all in his own little isolated world yeah I I think one of the things that works so well is that you really you get Pink either as this adult rocker or as this like innocent child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it work so well because like, oftentimes, especially like this where you get it right after seeing what the school had done to him, to how he's so like, I guess absentee is actually a much better word to describe yeah. him, where he's just so unattentive anymore and doesn't. He's just out of it, ultimately. The only attention he ever got was lack of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it goes between that to... I think it goes to the song wherever he's uh, asking Mother, should I build the wall? Yeah. Of, like, kind of showing... I I think in a weird way it's showing the in-between of, like, whenever he was still an innocent boy and, like, what took away that innocence and brought him to the point that he is at now. It has a lot of meanings. It does. And a lot of shots of him just by himself just blankly staring into the tv just ignoring the world around him mother should i build the wall should i build this wall between me and the rest of the world mother mm-hmm. should i build this wall add to what this is mother like, should i build the wall continue making memory like it's there's a lot there's, yeah. it's layered and even before that just like uh asking like what will these people think about me like or are they going to hate me or are they going to love me kind of thing and yeah. should i just build this wall between me and these people to avoid having to deal with this hurt and then eventually causes him to push his wife away from him until he breaks down when he realizes she's cheating on me with another man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, this scene too, like showing his child where he's being like diagnosed with something forced to be isolated and he just can't take it in, tries to get his mother's embrace. And the while, only time he can really do it is when she's sleeping. Yeah. And while not like outwardly showing this, like there's a big, like, uh, scene where it shows him like sleeping with a just a dead body and i took that as that you know he blames himself for his mother's death probably at some point but it's hard to say for sure obviously with how much imagery and stuff's around yeah i mean it also kind of shows like the weird attachment he has with his mom is the one like it shows a school dance that he's having and like the one girl that he chooses to dance with is somewhat looks like a younger version of his mom i didn't notice that <laughs> just food for thought yeah. yeah yeah but it goes between that to i think it, after that it it does show some more like surreal imagery going into like the groupies that are trying to like you know get in with the band and like something yeah. that happened all the time like sneaking into the backstage and using her womanly vagina magic to get past the guards <laughs> yeah you get that and like there's the uh kind of animated section that we keep joking is flowers just flowers yeah (laughs) it happens around this time because like that's you know whenever the groupie finally like follows him back to his hotel room and she makes the comment of like wow this is bigger than my entire apartment and it's trying to get his attention and then to the point where he starts acting out and that's whenever you see like the flowers attacking each other and then the flowers attacking him yeah they're showing like kind of his toxic relationship that he has with women i mean not even just like i think a lot of it's just his toxic relationship with 
sex too because yeah. ultimately so as much as i dislike sex uh, <laughs> um like it is viewed as this kind of huge purity thing like the ultimate embrace yada yada so like seeing such violent imagery with it with these flowers forming like the woman's body that's supposed to be seen as like pure and elegant mixing it with these vicious monsters attacking his his flower quote unquote mm-hmm. um and just kind of feeding off each other until creating the vicious monster that it becomes yeah and just seeing and, like how the flowers keep entangling with each other showing that like the more that one feeds into the other it creates worse and worse and worse until it's not recognizable as either it's just it's a vicious beast that he can't control right which kind of goes along with a sense of like you know like he said it's you know sex is supposed to be this beautiful bonding moment between two people but at the same time can very much be used as a weapon and that's how he sees it now is it's a weapon it's a monster trying to attack him thus kind of furthering his isolation from people Yeah. yeah but goes into that um I think, yeah, it's after the scene. Uh, apparently, fun little fact that I found out, because, like, whenever she tries to, you know, get his attention and everything, he flips out on her and starts destroying the entire hotel room. Uh, apparently, that scene, wherever, like, he broke through the window and, like, put his hand against it and everything, apparently, during that scene, he actually did s- actually slice his hand open. Oh, jeez. Ow. For that. That's dangerous. On purpose? Not on purpose. It, it just happened, but, like, because he was, like, it. so into the scene, they just, like... He kept on playing through the scene and, like, refused medical help until they were done with the scene. That's dangerous. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Actors, man. I mean, I it also is such, like... I mean, as much as, like, I'm like, you should not do that, it is such, like, beautiful imagery, especially with the next shot of him lying down in a crucified pose, his hand bleeding in the center. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there, there's crosses everywhere in this movie as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of it... it also goes with like the anti-war set our sentiment of just like you know all these men who went into this war and then just ended up becoming crosses in the ground yeah yeah that and i would say religion and war go hand in hand yeah, yeah. wouldn't have war without religion quite honestly but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is very true like i'm not trying like i don't know what to add to that because that's just a statement within itself <laughs> but yeah i guess after that it kind of goes into him almost like reinventing himself because you know you hear a lot of these stories of people whenever they're in a bad situation and like they feel like something needs to change they start you know one of the first things they do is they start changing their haircuts and first thing he does is he shaves and then realizes that's not enough and so he shaves all the hair off of his body including his eyebrows and slicks his hair back to after rearranging all of the broken pieces on the floor yeah into kind of a beautiful image it's almost like he's building his own little coliseum if you will with all the broken pieces that were left on the ground and like making this map of like i don't i don't even know what i would call it like whether it be like his perfect little utopia or like the maybe the guard or the garden with with inside of his wall that he's building i mean like again with the religious imagery you can say like he's making like a garden of eden new beginnings yeah you can say because he's taking all these different objects and making crosses with them everywhere you can yeah and you can say he's taking all of his he's recognizing all the chaos in his life and trying to promote order once more okay. within all of this as with most pieces of art there's a lot of ways you can take it yeah yeah 
which after this leads into comfortably numb wherever he getting super doped up is just kind of comatose inside of his hotel room until his manager breaks in and like they literally just break down the door to get in there yeah and well, he hasn't been responding for a long time at right. this point and surely enough the first thing his manager does is he gets a doctor to pep him back up with a sh- shot to make him comfortably numb and then pays the doctor and tells him like all right you you did your job get out of here mm-hmm. even though the doctor's like like no like we need to help this guy and he's just not listening because yeah. they just need him to do his thing and it kind of this almost horrifying metamorphosis of him like it's almost like yeah. there's a cocoon that's like wrapping around him after they give him the shot and like turning him into something that he isn't it is so insane and it's like times like these i forget this movie's from the 80s yeah <laughs> like early 80s <laughs> and also by like a musician and a writer yeah the thing is at the time heroin in the rock scene was it that was the thing that's why there's so many huge musicians who had died throughout the years from heroin use yeah and I, the ones who lived to 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 see old age become like ozzy they can't function they don't know where they're at they don't know what they're doing they've done too much shit yeah they fucked their brain and mind up uh, the seeing after Almost the support of with comfortably numb playing, which in my mind is just always about drugs. Yeah. yeah. So there is a story behind that, which kind of codes inside of like what you're seeing on that stage, because apparently comfortably numb, because like like none of the people in Pink Floyd do drugs. I guess uh, before he was in Pink Floyd, the drummer used to have an LSD problem, but he became sober, then went into Pink Floyd. Yeah. Other than that, like none of them have ever had drug problems. All of them just like really, really like surreal art, which like explains a lot about their music. Yeah. Comfortably Numb in particular was Roger Waters. Uh, he got injured or I don't remember exactly what the problem was. He, he was having a problem though. And like, he didn't think he was going to be able to perform that night. His manager called the doctor over. Doctor gave him a sedative and told him like, all right, you're fine. Go back up on stage. Like you'll be good. And like, they made like he was really pissed off that like they just made him comfortably numb so he would just shut up and do his job and keep performing for them. Yeah. And that's Andrews pretty much are awful. <laughs> yeah. They are. And they like are. that's the thing is like there's a lot of burnout in the music scene, like even today, because like they're always pushed, like you gotta make the next big album, you gotta make this tour date, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And like not even so much just the musicians, just like everyone in particular, like even like, you know, the grips, the people who put the stages up, yeah. who do the lighting, everything else. Like it's just a constant going forward and like it, a lot of, and a lot of it's seen as a gig job too. So none of them have like any kind of safety net underneath them. That, so like if they get hurt on the job, they're just fucked mm-hmm. kind of thing. And especially when it comes to somebody like, you know, if the guitarist gets hurt or like um, the singer, uh, his voice goes flat for whatever reason, or like, you know, the drummer hurts his foot or something like the manager's like, no, 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 we got to keep this show going. Like there's too much money put into it and like forces them to do these things. And that's pretty much what that song was about is like, even though he wasn't in the right state of mind to like keep doing his job and being a performer like he was still forced to do it mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's basically literally what happens in the movie yeah yeah well, well I, I guess i say literally it's <laughs> it's very up up in the air right i see it as a outward showing of the rot and vileness that's on the inside being pushed to the outside from mm-hmm. the support of the people around them yeah so this thing that was like their own little secret like pink's own little secret uh shown to the light and now everybody's just there like okay get it get it done do it 
So as it's going along, the the becoming more vile, but more on the outside. It's visible to everybody now. Yeah. And uh, in this movie, we we shouldn't, like, skirt around it. It's, like, this huge, like, vibrant Nazi imagery. Yes, yes. It's very purposefully, very Nazi, very fascist uh, imagery. Because, like, whenever I say he goes into a cocoon, like, the pink that was, like, on the seat, like almost looks like a melted person Mm -hmm. with like the mask uh almost being like a part of his face and everything and then like he rips out of the cocoon while he's going to a show and underneath it is like a nazified version of himself which i guess was actually meant to be um viewed as a lot of rock stars kind of like you know they're are almost like put forth uh propaganda and like the audience would go with whatever they said even if it was something evil like i think a good example of something like that especially for the 80s would be like motley crew because like you go back and listen to some of their songs they're straight up talking about like having sex with underaged women and people didn't care like it's motley crew they're rock stars what are you gonna do about it and they went along with it because the music's good mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah, so he saw him se- of, like like just heinous stuff in some of those yeah and like you look back especially during the 70s and 80s like there are some heinous things that are happening in the music scene and the way that I guess Roger Waters looked at it is like they're almost like fascist propaganda being pushed forward and the people didn't care what they were saying. They were going to follow it no matter yeah. what. And I guess we should also note like a lot of this makes sense very much so when you think, again, this movie came out in the 80s. So like that stuff is very fresh on people's minds. Yeah. And uh, it's it's one of the things that they say about fascism is you have to put it out before it starts essentially yeah so like i think a lot of it was kind of this general uneasiness of if something like that will happen again which hmm i feel like even today like yeah that's a big thing that people are worried about is like if you don't nip it in the bud then it's going to become problematic and i think that's that's kind of the problem of where we're at is somebody was put in charge who was extremely fascist and was allowed to reign free for four years Mm mm-hmm so everybody who, who could get the that mindset going and for four years got unchecked and it's feels like it's too late now. It feels like we're trying to put out fires that are actually having gasoline poured on top of them. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, that was a fear. I feel like in a weird way that fear never really went away. And it, it's by the time that it finally started to die down, it, and like that gave them a chance to sneak back in and rise back up with it. Yeah, people get too comfortable with how things are. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like to recognize the faults of where they're at. I, I mean, I definitely see this in a lot of my life where I see people that I talk to don't like to acknowledge the bad things that happen simply because it kind of ruins the idea that everything's fine. Yeah. And, you know, that again, that's, like, put in the forefront. Like, what happens when it builds up and builds up and builds up until eventually... You can't ignore the problem anymore. Yeah. And, like, in the movie, it ends up getting stopped by uh, Pink himself just screaming stop. And, again, it's unclear whether or not in the movie that happened or not. Yeah. I feel like for this movie, a lot of things that are happening are happening in Pink's mind. Yeah. But he sees himself going down this path, and it's him screaming stop is him saying, I can't do this anymore. Right. Which kind of goes into this, probably the most depressing song that Pink Floyd did was like the Goodbye Cruel World song of him like by himself, like reading a little journal that he had 
isolated in this bathroom stall, just trying to avoid the outside world again. Yeah. It's good. It's so good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> and it leads into the trial of pink. Yeah. Which is, I don't know what the actual song's called, if it's, or if it's only in, for this movie or not. Because I know you said some of these songs are only yeah, for Yeah, there's this a movie. few, I don't, I think this one was in the Wall album, but there were a couple of them. Um, I'd have to look them up to tell you exactly which ones they were, but there's like maybe three or four songs that were either made for this movie. I think there's maybe one licensed song in this <laughs> entire movie that isn't Pink Floyd, but a large majority of these songs are from Pink Floyd's The Wall. Some of them are re- re-recorded for this album, yeah. though. Like, if you listen to, like, the actual album version compared to the movie version of it, there's slight differences here and there. But they are just Pink Floyd's The Wall in a visual format, kind of giving you more of an idea of what they were trying to say with that album. Yeah. Um, but I-, I would say, like, this trial scene's all... I I don't see people talk about it, but I would argue this is one of the most, like, striking parts of the movie. It's very striking. Like, you get these weird amalgamations, representations of what led Pink to get to this point. And Pink himself is just this lifeless doll, a husk of his former self, unable to speak for himself, unable to say anything. While a judge passes judgment on him, basically. Yeah. And, like, you get the uh, witnesses. First, uh, I think first is his I think, yeah, it's first his, I think it's his father and then his mother and then the school, which, one thing that I did really like about the imagery of that one is, like, in the animation, you see a mother spanking a doll of the or of the teacher that's spanking a doll of pink of like how yeah. abuse kind of just rolls downhill the cycle of abuse ultimately yeah. and mm-hmm. like this idea of because all the while the teacher's saying that he wasn't hard enough on pink that the reason pink's the way he is is because he didn't get to go full all the way yeah yeah when like going through pink's childhood like Arguably, some of the reason he is why he is is because of too much abuse constantly. Yeah, that he's he received no, uh, no positive reinforcement in his life. Essentially, kind of, it feels like it's one of those his positive role models in life were taken very early away yeah. from him, and he was left with nothing but a negative. Yeah, yeah. So you have that. You have the mother who instead of passing judgment on pink is passing judgment on herself and saying like that she needed to build the wall around him and like wanting the wanting to keep him back essentially keep him forever and like refuse to let him out and like the mother smothering embrace as well as the general kind of narcissism that runs like that and you get the version of his wife, which is this weird, like, weird phoenix sort of thing. Like, it's they're all, like that, again, that, yeah, that, that flower that's attacking in a weird yeah. way. Again, like, they're all, like, these crazy monster amalgamations. And it, it's, like, you have to see this scene for sure. Like, describing it. It's wild. It any justice. Any of the animated portions of this movie are so difficult to explain. Yeah. yeah. It's something you really do have to see. Like, they're one, surreal, but two, they're so, like, 
coded in symbolism yeah that even describing what is there isn't like accurate yeah it's kind of, i was gonna say just kind of this a picture is worth a thousand words and every single frame of this of the animation of this film is very much like a picture worth a thousand words yeah because like it's one thing to say like oh there's a part where there's a bunch of hammers marching down the in a down line. like a war-torn england yeah and it's another to be watching the movie and understanding what the hammers are representing and like are seeing like faces coming out of the wall and screaming or like what that represents compared to like seeing it for yourself in the movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, then he gets the trial goes to his wife who kind of talks about how she sort of like tried to give everything to him and receive nothing in return while not like, I mean, not to really put much on her because she's not in the movie a ton, so I can't say too much about her character, but, like, not acknowledging the kind of toxic relationship that they're in where they both kind of end up not meeting each other's needs. needs. Um, But, like, all this leading to the judge who needs to pass judgment and saying that not... The solution is not to lock him up, actually. It's to put him on full display for everyone to see what a terrible person he is. Yeah. Which I think this judging portion rings so true now to how people are perceived online, more so than even a legal battle. Mm -hmm. I think if you take one of the pop culture legal battles from recent history, Johnny Depp, the way that everybody perceived them before and afterwards, devoid of the evidence that was shown in the trial at all, is so different from what legally happened to the point to where, like, it's it was never about for Johnny Depp or Amber Heard, it was never about who's legally in the right, it was about both of them attacking the other person showing this is who they really are to the entire world and putting their case out that way i i think you just see that every day with influencers and social media and everything like that it's just it's i feel like this part is still just so poignant to what society is yeah i mean it's one of those things that people don't like ultimately people don't actually want to uh really solve things or not really solved because that implies that some of these things are things that can be solved, of course. But just, like, people don't actually care about what's happening. They just care about themselves in a very selfish way directly, I'm going to say. I'm not going to, like, act like it's not in a selfish way. But, like, people love so much to take the moral high ground, quote-unquote, that without any evidence, without any information that they choose aside and like i do think the amber or johnny depp thing was the worst aspect of it because one it's so weird that it was just this like internet sensation yeah because like it's a fucking legal battle like who gives a shit quite frankly <laughs> these are just random ass people like yeah. i know they're both big, or well, Johnny Depp was a big celebrity. I forget if Amber Heard was. Amber yeah, Heard is also yeah, they're both very big celebrities. Yeah. Um, shows how much stuff I watch sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but like, I get like people feel inclined to know information about these people, but we aren't. <laughs> we don't no. need to. We don't deserve to. These are these people's things, 
and like a court battle is such a fucking wild thing to try to take the stand with and just i was so tired of seeing that quite frankly every day for however long it lasted me too liz watched every single day she she just watches court shit she, yeah she's infatuated with the law for some reason <laughs> um so she was watching it every single day and she's like it's a shit show it's just complete it's it's garbage television at this point yeah it was just every day she would tell me everything's going on. i was like what the why is this even none of this isn't relevant to anything that they're talking about they're yeah. just being so shitty towards each other it's kind of like people are less likely looking for a solution and more likely looking for a scapegoat yeah and yeah. like I I hate to talk about this because I get frustrated with how people treat it, but like you know, you can think about cancel culture and stuff like the negative side of it, which is like with no like judging or uh, when someone's a judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, without like f- taking into in all the facts, because you see that a lot where it will be like, hey, this person was shitty, and then it was like uh, that person was actually lying, and then like there's this cycle going on and on yeah and it keeps feeding each other and like every time the thing i get so frustrated seeing is the people who use it to like again like try to take the moral high ground like well i never liked that person's content so therefore i am the best yeah or They, they take that they just never like whatever this person did music movies whatever it may be and then they use this thing to just attack because they just didn't like him in the first place yeah yeah and like i i hate that especially because your like taste is not a inherently moral judgment like i think there's like some elements that can feed into each other a lot but like just like liking something isn't inherently a moral standpoint yeah i like tons of shitty things yeah So, like, that frustrates me. But then I also get frustrated with the inverse where, like, if one of them is proven that, like, they lied initially about whatever, then I see all these people like, well, you should just never trust them then. You should just never trust information like that. Yeah. And it gets frustrating. So, like, I don't know. Like, I I hate talking about because, like, I, I do dislike cancel culture in a lot of ways because of disliking just the internet. But I hate saying that because I think it leads to this thing of being lumped into the people who dislike cancel culture because they don't like the fact that they can't say slurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that's the, the double-edged sword with that is like, like, no, no, no. I don't like this for different reasons than your shitty thing. Yeah. I'm over here in my own pile of being an asshole. You're in this pile of being an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah. We are not the same. But yeah, just, uh, yeah, but like you're saying, it is crazy how relevant that becomes yeah. over time. Yeah. And just like this want to pass moral judgment on everything. And, you know, that's just it's it's one of those things like it's a nowadays people talk about like go touch grass, but it's so true. Like sometimes it's just so like better to just get away from it all and talk to people who don't give two shits about what random people are saying on the internet. Like something that people hate to hear sometimes you just gotta block people and leave yeah like, it doesn't matter it's not a moral thing you could just if someone's fucking annoying you you can block them i'll block someone who just says something stupid sometimes <laughs> and like never interact with them i mean think about it in the real life if someone's just constantly saying shitty things towards you you're not gonna keep going around and be like hey how you doing today like yeah. <laughs> you're gonna just not you're just gonna eventually to have person. to walk away yeah 
Get a restraining um, but, order. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's so. There's also in this whole movie this underlying malaise of being stuck into or putting your head in the sand to ignore the world in total. I think with his constant watching TV, yeah, I think that also has become even more relevant now as well mm-hmm. because so many people with the ease of the internet and the ease of having Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, not even that TikTok, yeah, whatever TikTok, YouTube at just the ease of their hand at any one point there. I cannot tell you how many people I see that if there's not something actively going on, immediately pull out their phone and start watching TikToks every single day. And it's just like, I don't, get it to a, a large like i get it but i also don't get it you know what i mean like there's just this very underlying thing of like in this movie that i feel is like mate like don't just ignore the sedate problem. yourself with being stuck in this one thing because i mean in the whole movie that's what he's doing he's sedating himself from everything yeah uh he uses television he uses music he uses drugs to do that and i think that with how the world is for a lot of people and being unable to fully cope with it for one reason or another, I think people do sedate themselves with social media. I, I'm very anti-social media nowadays, by the way. <laughs> Let's go back to the, the MySpace thing. No, I fucking hate MySpace. But, like, yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, I feel I, like I, that's that underlying thing, or at least from what I was reading into it, yeah. uh, still I, feels I think very that's relevant. That is part of it, too, yeah. but, like, I think with it is like with the passing of judgment, I think some of it is, you know, society around it, but some of it is himself too, of just like realizing like maybe I am the problem of this, right. which kind of leads into him saying, do I tear down the wall? Yeah. And ultimately leading to him actually tearing it down. Like, I guess, metaphysically. Which was a, a huge forethought for Pink Floyd to announce that they're Swifties. <laughs> what? Because I'm the I'm the problem. It's me. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, sure, I'm sorry. It, this, this totally happened after that song. I mean, sorry. Yeah. I mean, the it shows wall. how much of a Swifty me and E are. I I know that song, but I did not make the connection. <laughs> yeah, I know. But no, like I do think that's one of her best songs. It's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's one of those. I I don't have anything against her. It's just not my cup of tea with most of her music. But she she does fine with music. She's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, yeah. But yeah. I will say this movie has like maybe five minutes of, you know, maybe things are going to be okay towards the end of it after he tears down the wall because you just kind of get these, this imagery of these children that are kind of taking these bricks off of the, are off the side of the road and putting them in these toy trucks. And you see this one little kid who picks up a Molotov cocktail, smells what's in there and goes, ew, and pours it out, kind of showing that like, Maybe he's starting to clean himself up, and maybe he's trying to less isolate himself now. Yeah. I mean, you know, just strong symbolism, especially thinking about, like, you know, the Berlin Wall and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very. Uh, yeah, my history's bad. I forget when the Berlin Wall fell, but. It was around. I'm, I'm going to Google it really quick. I want to say it was 86, but I don't super know. I just want to say that. <laughs> we are way off. It was demolished in 1989. Wow. So yeah, Much this, later this movie, yeah. yeah, this movie was that's it, 7 it, years yeah. before it was demolished. It then. was up during this time. It was up yeah. during this time cuz I want to say that it's probably very very prevalent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And probably very on purpose especially cuz that was very dominating the news thing. Yeah. yeah. For a long time it was dominating the news. Yeah. But um 
yeah, very, very strong imagery at the end of trying, like, can you build from the destroyed rubble? Can you, like, live after such, like, a devastating downfall? Even and, societally, I think. Is yeah. Really, yeah. It's the, the like, thing that I take from it the, the most. Is how do you build yourself back up after being pushed down that hard for that long? Or, or a society, because again, after the 60s and 70s, the, the Cold War going on still, uh, everything after Vietnam, like you do, you do, I think, going back to the World War II imagery that it shows, yeah. you did have the older generation still around at the time. The people who fought in World War II were still around. The people who had to work in the States during World War II were still around. Yeah. You had this other generation being like, why is this war, ha- we don't understand why this war is happening. You haven't told us anything about this war. You feel, I feel like we're being left out of the loop on all of this and this older generation just saying, well, war must be good. And just this total dissonance between the two generations right. going on at the time. And I, that's, that's the, why I love the imagery. Cause you see these kids like getting rid of this war weapon. Like, yeah, what the fuck is this? Like, Oh, that's I, disgusting. Getting rid of Like it's so powerful. <laughs> I mean, I think even, musicians of the not even just musicians people of this time knew that it was going to be like that too there's a song it's not like the most well-known song from the 80s but it's one that i really like a song from white lion called when the children cry which is basically saying like hey like all this fucked up things that we're doing with all these wars it's going to be the next generation that has to deal with it yeah and you know that's always been prevalent really oh yeah like i think i would argue we still see a lot of the remnants from the vietnam war mm-hmm. nowadays we do we do uh, that the generation that fought in the Vietnam War are our oldest people now. Yeah, their granddad was up. He didn't go in it, but he was def- he was enlisted during the time. The people yeah. who fought are fucked up. Yeah, yeah, we there's a couple people in our family who fought in the Vietnam War, and they're they're not put together very well. Uh, both of the machining instructors that I had when I went to job court, both of them were Vietnam vets, and both of them, like neither one of them said like like I will never talk about that war. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like I'm never going to bring it up to you if you don't want to talk about it. No yeah. one won that war. No, nobody won. Nobody won at all. No one wins any war really, but like no one won that war. So, well, sometimes people win wars. Kind of. Sometimes you build a giant bomb and then scare the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know they lost because they couldn't build bombs anymore like that. They could. <laughs> they they technically built worse bombs. It's just like we realized we probably shouldn't be using these. Hey guys, I might have fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, that's a whole other movie to talk about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, obviously very like anti-war messaging. I mean, all of art at the time. Surprisingly, artists are not the ones fighting the war. <laughs> what? Well, no, sometimes. Actually. I mean, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> they do. But a lot of I feel like a lot of art people who fight in wars and become artists afterwards are very anti-war. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, despite how much people dis- like talk about uh, veterans and patriotism and all this other stuff, they forget that there's a lot of veterans who are very anti-war after fighting the war. Yeah, they only want to use them if they're supporting their... their supporting fighting. whatever their cause is. Yeah. 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 If they actually cared, they would give the money to the veterans instead of to the war again. Yeah. Just take... The VA office wouldn't be such a fucking bureaucratic nightmare. Literally take half a percentage of what you put into the war and put that towards the vets, and you will have fixed the problem. It's horrendous what we are willing to do. Then take the other half and put that towards feeding the people in the country. (laughs) There's so much. Cut 10% of our fucking war budget, and you could fix most of the infrastructure problems in this country. 
that's the frustrating part as an American. Yeah. <laughs> I think one thing that people say it's pretty frustrating is, and don't quote me on this because I'm not sure if it's exactly right, but I think it's one something. second. Talk slowly. I need to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, I think the statistic was something like if you were to cut $700 billion out of the war budget that we have in America, we would still be the R. We could put that towards other things to make the country better and still be the most well-funded uh, military in the entire world. Oh, yeah, we're something insane, like I, three times the second place or something. Yeah. 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 We're really afraid of China. That's what it comes down to. Kind of, yeah. But that's also another discussion that this yeah. movie kind of brought up that should be a discussion There's for another day. There's a lot of, again, like stuff like this is why like it's so weird to me to be like, oh, yeah, I just watched this high. Because, like, there's so much yeah, here that you need to, like, talk about. There's a lot in this movie that needs to be dissected that I feel like, I said, I feel like there's people who watch this movie for 40 years that do not get what happened in this movie. Yeah. Or the importance of, like, the message they're trying to bring forward. Because it's just, hey, really cool imagery when you're high. Yeah. But this movie's good, man. It's, it's yeah, so it's really good. good. There's a reason why this is a cult classic. There's a reason like, why 40 years later it's still remembered to be this legendary movie that it is. I say this every now and then with uh movies on this podcast, but this is one of those movies that I just like regard as like a a piece of art. Yeah. First and foremost. Yeah. I think probably the biggest disappointment in this is Dryer realized we were not watching it in five point one surround sound <laughs> we, while we were he watching realized it. We could have. We could have and we didn't. Yeah. Yes. And this movie sounds so good in five point one. Yes. After we finished it, I saw that there was a settings thing. I was like, what's even in the settings? Because the fucking Menu is janky as shit. It's awful. It's awful. And I go into it, and it's like, stereo, mono, or 5.1. It's like, wait, what did it default to? So I turned it to 5.1 and went to scenes, and it's just a whole world opened up. You can hear so much more of the lyrics. Oh, so the music was so much fuller. Yeah. Oh, I I, make out instruments. I was very upset. Yeah. (laughs) Watch this in 5.1 if you're able to. Yes, you can. That's a hard sell for a lot of people I know. 5.1 5.1 is a very good mix on here. Yeah. Can't wait but, for the Atmos mix. Oh man. <laughs> that would be that that would be insanely trippy especially if you were high watching this with Dolby Atmos. Yeah. I'm just like trying to imagine someone watching this on their phone with the like <laughs> going through the shitty speakers. Yes. One Bluetooth earpiece in. <laughs> God. That would suck cuz I I'm almost positive that the mixing is full stereo so yeah. you just miss yeah. like half of it. Yep. But I guess if anything, we should probably get into our final thoughts of this movie. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. E. Uh, yeah, this is just a beautiful movie. It's it's a hard one. It's one, a hard one to necessarily recommend. It's one you have to really know the person. Though, also, you could probably recommend it if you don't know them, because there's a decent chance to be like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I think that this movie works for... People who really like surrealist art, really works for people who like music, and really works for people who don't need a story. They just need something happening. But I think it doesn't work for like a general audience. No. Honestly. Like, my mom would hate this movie. Yes. <laughs> I uh, think she'd like all the flowers. No. <laughs> Actually, she would especially it. hate that part. She'd fucking hate it. Yeah. But like, my dad might like this movie, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would. Uh, I forget if D, you know, I forget if D said he watched this or not. I think he said no. I don't know. If he hasn't, we need to show it to him. Yeah, I think he would like it a lot. But um, 
this movie, uh, to steal some language from the kids, this movie is such a vibe. <laughs> yeah. This movie is lit for real, brothers. On God. It has it. all the riz. I, I hate how old I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this movie is like, it's it's beautiful in a lot of ways. It's like so insane. I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into. I had a feeling, but like watching it through is so great. And if you haven't seen this, I actually might recommend getting some close friends with you to all three watch it and then just talk about it afterwards. Yeah. I know that's that might be a, a tall ask for some people. <laughs> um, I know not everyone has like a group of friends that they can really dissect stuff like that. <laughs> like, I know not everybody has friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that kind of too, but like, like think about it. Like this is not something I think I could show like my my friends and then talk about. I don't think they would be as into it. But, right. But yeah, it's 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 just a beautiful piece of art. I there's nothing like it, and I don't think there ever really will be. I think it's such a specific thing because even like even very musical things nowadays don't want to just be music. Like there's a bit of dialogue here and there, obviously in this movie, but it is first and foremost, a visual album telling a story. Yeah. And you're also, there's so few artists that I think have the money to put out a product like this Yeah, and be able to say the controvert, this is very controversial. Then it's still very controversial. Now, the messages that it's trying to put out there, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's just not bands who would have those messages now that have the money to do this kind of project. Honestly, yeah. you can usually have money or like very strong feelings <laughs> yes. on, on moral standpoints. Yeah. And sometimes you're raging against the machine because nobody understands what you're doing. Apparently, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny how people just <laughs> act like that. Yeah, act like that was never the deal when like. It's Rage so... Against the Machine is political. Man, next thing you're going to tell me is Final Fantasy VII is political. Keep your politics out of Final Fantasy VII. So much too. Like people like, oh, what do yeah, you mean Fallout's political? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people, uh, people don't get it, man. It's it's something that I find so funny. People talk about like, like especially like how are you going to be like racist and a fan of Superman and like stuff yeah. like that? Where yeah. it's like, do you just like not actually watch what you? what we're watching yeah I, I mean i think it's like what we were saying earlier some people just kind of want to see the cool visuals they yeah. don't really care about the message behind it yeah. and <laughs> I, I feel like this movie is probably the golden child of that argument yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff like uh this is a funny it's gonna be a funny one i i actually see that a lot with like dragon ball where like there's a lot of insanely like gatekeepy racist people with dragon ball and it's like it's a story about a repressed race overtaking their ruler and finding a new family in like a new place. Yeah. It's like which part of that do you, do you not think they could resonate with? Like <laughs> what? It's so silly. And it's always something stupid that st- starts it off. Like people are like, Oh yeah. Piccolo is definitely black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Piccolo is black. That's true. <laughs> People get so pissed about it. They're like, no, he's not. He's Namekian. It's like, uh, how do you know Namekians aren't black? Checkmate. Checkmate. <laughs> Liberals? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, anyway, back to the... But yeah, like, I... Learning so many people just, like, get high and watch this just 
genuinely makes me sad though because <laughs> i feel like you're just missing so much and like not i'm sh- i'm sure you listener who gets high can fully grasp everything that you're watching when you're high i'm i'm sure i'm not talking about you listener who gets high and watches stuff i think but. the difference is there's a difference from grappling with the content emotionally fuller which i think being high would do that to you and grappling with the actual subtext of the meaning behind all of it fuller and i think those are probably two very different experiences yeah i'll say it i'll I'll give like one i'll give you one thing i think if you watch this movie then later go back and watch it high i'm i think that's fine i just like the idea that some people only watch this movie high makes me sad i yeah. guess is a better way to put it that's fair that's fair that's fair yeah um but yeah uh like there it's so hard to like keep just saying like oh this is cool this is great there's nothing <laughs> like it but it's just because it's true i would not be surprised if i go the rest of my life and never see a movie like the wall yeah. um i think sometimes i th- think sometimes it's kind of hard to follow uh i think in the first half, there's a lot of times I think it switches too fast for me. Uh, so, like, I think that stuff could have been a little easier to follow. But at the same time, again, it's like a piece of art. So, like, art doesn't have to cater to everyone. Uh, I guess the better way, art should be accessible to everyone, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't cater to everyone. And I think that's kind of... Yeah, what I like this that. movie is like I, I I have a little I have some nitpicks about this movie and how it does certain things but I it is a beautiful piece of art and I think there's a reason people still talk about it I I honestly hear people talk about it in context of this movie more than in the album yeah um I think all that said I I think I would give this movie a nine okay okay Dre your final thoughts I, too, like this movie a lot. (laughs) I think it is beautiful visually and actual content of what it's trying to say and that it has something to say. It has a message. It has a point that it's trying to get to, which so few movies nowadays actually have something they're trying to say. And that's I love movies, but that's just true. That things are so superficial with most movies now. They don't have a deeper meaning or multiple meanings even like this does. Like this is a beast all on its own. You don't see stuff like this. This is a once in a generation type of movie that I don't think we've had in this generation yet. It's still very special. It's still one of the movies that I think anybody who is interested in film or in music or in art should take the time out and just give it an honest shot. Yeah. I it, think you should be in your 20s at least, but... Yeah, the, I mean, people grasp different concepts at different ages. Yeah. There's some people who are very mature when they're in high school. There's some people who don't get there till they're 60. It's, it's really dependent on how art literate you are, honestly. Like I said, I wasn't there when I was a teenager. And it's there's a whole lot of things now that I appreciate quite a bit more than when I did when I was. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it really depends. I think that you can enjoy this at a superficial level. Good music, good visuals. But when you really sit down and give it a shot, this movie has so much more to offer than most other films. 
Yeah. It's 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 honestly a special piece. I really do love it. It's not perfect, but it's special and I think one of those things that just everybody needs to see. I also give it a nine. Okay. And then for me, the one who brought it, this is a movie that's stuck with me since I was a kid. Uh even, you know, as a kid, like Dry said. I kind of just liked it for the superficial vi- visuals because I probably wasn't there either when it came to being emotionally mature enough to really appreciate this movie or even Pink Floyd in general. But I started getting there as I got older. And it's this movie is very much a fine wine movie. Like the older you get, like the more time you get to like sit down and dissect it, the more special this movie does become. I feel like this is a movie, if you have a chance to sit down with friends and watch it, and then have a discussion about it, about like the meanings behind these things and about, you know, uh, a lot of the imagery or a lot of the messages behind everything that they're saying, whether it's isolation or fascism or um, I guess even drug use or just rock and roll music or whatever else, uh, sex and drugs, uh, whatever it is. Like this movie has a lot that it's trying to say. And it, I feel like this movie does deserve to be dissected down to its pieces to like really think about what it's trying to say in there. and. I don't think it's given that as much of an opportunity as it should be because a lot of people who love this movie probably still don't fully understand what they're trying to say with it. And it's kind of a shame, but more people do need to watch it. I don't want this movie to be one of the movies that just kind of dies out to history. I think it should be preserved more. I think people should still be able to talk about it. I think there's still a lot of prevalent messages that we talked about today of like how this movie is still very relevant in 2023 and probably will be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, because like the more that something's changed, the more that some things do stay the same. And this movie does put a lot of that forward, even if it is uncomfortable to talk about sometimes. And it is on top of like a generational, a generationally good movie. It's also an important movie in a lot of those ways too. I think I do agree, like, because this movie isn't perfect. It has some things to nitpick here and there, whether, like, it's some of the cinematography or, like, sometimes it's being too vague, which is why some people, like, get lost in the sauce with this movie. But, like, it's still just so good. And, like, it's something that will stick with you long after the credits roll with this. Like, this is one of those movies that you might be able to carry with with you and, like, talk about years later with friends. And I... I, I totally agree with you guys. This movie is a nine out of 10 for me. This is what this was one of my favorite movies growing up. It still probably is one of my favorite movies just because of everything that happens with it. I think I God, 15, 16 years later, I'm still getting new messages from this movie watching it. Yeah. This is definitely one. I think you should watch multiple times in your life. Oh yeah. This you, I feel like this is one of those rare movies you can watch multiple times and get something different from it each yeah. time you watch it. I'm trying to think of like every movie I've said that about. I know I said that about Spirited Away. I think that's one that's very important to watch multiple times in your life. Uh, Ed and I's Big Picture Show. <laughs> of course. <laughs> there's, there's a lot that I think. Genuinely, though, I do think that it, from as a kid to an adult, you'll get different messages out of Ed and Eddie, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think it's very upfront about abusive, like how abusive family can be and like what that causes people and a lot i I, no joke i actually do think that is like a really smart and like brilliant show in a lot of ways it's like obviously a funny comedy for children but like there's a lot of i think there's actually a lot of nuance that you can digest in there and like eddie himself as a character is such a like interesting character because he's really not indicative of what you would expect your one of your main protagonists to be 
In fact, none of the Eds are. There are very few shows that like would have Ed, Ed, and Eddie in them, let alone have them be the first and foremost thing, the people you follow. They're like very often not in the right. They're very often uh, selfish. They want things. But first and foremost, they're kids who like exist in shitty family relationships. Like Eddie has an abusive brother. Ed's parents always favor his sister and cause a lot of issues with him when in terms of punishment and like double D's parents are never home. And like, I I think there's a lot more credit that people don't give that show. Sometimes it showed very diverse and difficult living situations when most cartoons don't do that. Yeah. I got to try to say something positive about it. Yeah. No. Plank's my favorite character. That's fine. (laughs) A lot of people like him. I think Plank's an interesting character too. Actually, if you use it as a as like a interpretation of Johnny's psychology and a lot of things, I like Wood. That's <laughs> I'll let Liz know. <laughs> Anyways, enough of me gushing about Ed and Eddie. The best thing ever. Yeah, um, that was Peak Floyd's The Wall. We yeah. after trying so many damn times to watch this movie, like we finally got to sit down longer and a have year. a nuanced discussion about this movie. Like yeah. we did. Interstellar when we were still in the other room. Yeah. Did we really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck. So it's been like two years since <laughs> we wanted really to do time. this. Holy to yeah. be fair, we weren't as serious until like, uh, I think towards the end of last year when we were like, we got to like start thinking like, what's the big stuff we got to get through? Yeah. And this was, this was up there at like the top of the list, but it was just so hard to get going. For some reason, I don't yeah. even know Every why. time we wanted we to. somehow broke the curse of the wall with this episode. Yeah, the first time, like, Robbie ended up moving yeah, I, on I, the exact day. Yeah, yeah, like, I thought I was gonna be able to handle it. I totally couldn't. I got overwhelmed with that whole situation. <laughs> uh, I think Drya got overwhelmed with work after that. Um, we had a couple events happen in our lives yeah. that kept us from watching this movie. Oh, we almost had one today, because, like, I had work, like, begging me to come in today and i was like i, I, I can't like <laughs> yeah. even before this i had stuff that i had to do today it, but honestly worth the wait yeah yes this like once again please please if you have not seen pink floyd's the wall watch this movie yeah. it is absolutely positively worth the watch if you can't find a way to stream it uh lay down on your floor and listen to the album on like the best quality you got <laughs> sure, i will say yeah. <laughs> Short of getting a physical copy, like we said before, this movie is kind of hard to find. You can find more bootleggy ways to watch this movie, but yeah. like it, no matter what way you find to watch this movie, it is definitely worth a watch. It is definitely worth dissecting and really thinking about the message that I'm blanking on the name of the our director, but the director and Roger Waters have been working together to make this movie. Like they really put a lot of time and passion into making this the exact film that they wanted to make. I know most people do not like purchasing physical media anymore. I think people are getting around to it now that they're seeing how shitty companies treat. Yeah, try us on top. Yeah. Uh, This is one that I think if you purchased it, and again, it's fairly cheap to purchase it. Yeah. I think if it's one that you purchase, you will not regret having this at your access at any time. Yeah. This is definitely a movie worth having, you know, in your DVD collection, in your Blu-ray collection, in your Laserdisc collection, in your VHS collection, <laughs> however you get this movie, it is definitely worth a watch. I'm going to look for it on Laserdisc. I think that would be very fun. Yeah. yeah. I'd be very... I mean, finding a Laserdisc player is harder than finding a Laserdisc. Yeah, but... imagine finding a Laserdisc player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But I mean, I I just like again, like it's such a piece of art. All right, Robbie, get us out of here, yeah. man. But until then, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, e. Yo. If they want to get a hold of us, where can they do that? We got a link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash L-O-I-P, which gives you a link to some social media. Our our Instagram's really mostly that's live. Well, uh, it, when it, I think Darius said when it fully moves to X, we're just going to give up on Twitter. Yeah. Which I, I think they're there. My, it, it's just an X on my phone now. Yeah, my phone updated today, so I think. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's still Twitter.com on the thing. Still but, Twitter.com. And, you know, he's about he's actually about to get in a lot of trouble for putting up the sign and not getting permits for it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> just so fucking stupid. Yeah, he's the it's, stupidest it, rich person in the fucking world. But uh, we also have our Twitch streams every Wednesday, every Saturday. We play video games. Yeah, we do. Uh, sometimes more often. Uh, sometimes. Depends. It's it's me who decides that. Yeah. It's really just <laughs> You know, unless something crazy happens and Dry's like, I need to stream this game. I almost did more Rogue Legacy on Friday. <laughs> I was like, I really want to play it. I really want to play it. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. If you give me a heads up, I might even join. I don't know. Okay. Hmm. But, um, yes, uh, Saturdays. I just, I should hopefully have just beat Half-Life 2. Yes. Um, so we'll probably just be doing some variety stuff. Uh, we'll see. Maybe kart racers. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe we have, we have, a, we have a kart racer thing we want to do. I do. So. Um, so there's that. And on Wednesday, like Jerry said, he's probably still playing Rogue Legacy 2. I'm making headway faster than I thought I would, though. Actually, yeah. Last, last stream, he beat like two bosses. It was really nice. The game's so good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, Mondays, maybe me and D did something. I don't know. Check the archive. Do it, please. Yeah. <laughs> please. We would greatly appreciate if you checked out our archive. Maybe gave us your opinion on it. Maybe ways we can improve on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, our we're trying to hit 43 followers on Twitch, guys. Yeah, we're almost. That we're, we're one so away. Close. We're so close. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's all that stuff. So uh, check those things out. But. Thank you for joining us on this crazy little journey. I'm glad that we finally got around to it. I don't know what it is. Like, Dry calls it the curse of Robbie because every single time I want to bring a movie, it gets delayed for some reason or another. Like, the real world does not want me to bring movies no. to this podcast, and I do not know why. <laughs> There's one that's been delayed seven years now. And we've only <laughs> been doing this for five. Yeah. <laughs> five? Four? How, oh, my God. How long it was, have been It was the this? end of 2019 that we started this. Man, so we're four. coming up on four years. That's crazy. Yeah, we'll say with this crazy journey that we've been all- along with on this podcast, whether you've been with us since the very beginning or whether this is the very first time you've listened to us, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you so so much. E, thanks for joining me on with this movie. Try yeah. it. Thank you for joining me with this movie. You're welcome. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.